Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Labour lose the Hartlepool by-election and dozens of council seats in the local elections. With more results still to come in, Keir Starmer has once again claimed that the party has a mountain to climb, before eagerly clambering onto his toboggan and sliding away rapidly to the right. France threatens to cut off electricity to Jersey in a dispute over post-Brexit fishing rights, meaning that children in care homes on the island may have to be abused by candlelight in the future. Donald Trump launches from the desk of Donald Trump, his own personal microblogging site without any direct connection to Facebook or Twitter. It's the social media equivalent of giving a toddler an unplugged PS4 controller so he can feel like he's joining in. And finally, a 29-year-old woman and 31-year-old man are arrested for trespassing on Prince Andrew's estate. They were stopped by police, who suspected they were far too old to have been invited. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. The ballots are in, the votes are being counted, and oh boy, is it an absolute shit show for Keir Starmer. Results are still coming in, but it's becoming abundantly clear that whatever questions are being asked of this government, the Labour Party as it currently stands are not the answer. As the party struggles to recover from its disastrous general election performance in 2019, Labour HQ now need to ask themselves some very difficult questions. Like, how can we make out that losing Hartlepool in 2021 is somehow Jeremy Corbyn's fault? And which of you silly pricks has put a quid in Peter Mandelson? At the time of writing, the Scottish results are still coming in, and will not be fully announced until later today. We'll cover those, and take a proper look at the final results across the whole of the UK in greater detail next week. As it currently stands, the SNP have taken some key seats in their quest for an overall majority, including the battleground seat of air from the Conservatives. Boris Johnson might currently be riding high off the English Council results, but he may well yet be facing a grim battle to preserve the Union. And given Boris Johnson's somewhat sketchy history with all kinds of unions, whether they be marriages or European, it's safe to say that the fireworks north of the border haven't even started yet. We don't yet have the complete picture of the election results, but hey, since when has that stopped news programmes speculating wildly? And nobody speculates more wildly than our resident conspiracy theorist, Danny Sutcliffe. Hiya, pal. It's a pleasure to be here. And by here, I mean not on Earth Prime. I don't want to dwell on the results too much, because it's all too fucking complicated and depressing. Instead, I've been travelling the multiverse in search of a Britain with some better political choices on offer. Um, right, Danny. See, the thing is, in a topical news show, people are going to be expecting us to cover the results of the elections here in our reality. It's kind of important. Is it, though? 
I thought this one was just bin collections and deciding which colour dickhead is going to ignore me emails about potholes. Red, blue, yellow, they all end up in the fucking spam inbox. Possibly a little bit more than that at stake, to be honest. (laughs) Why? Is much actually going to change, or are we in fact still locked in the dying embrace of late-stage capitalism, living under the false illusion of choice when in fact both of the main parties are simply puppet facades of the neoliberal model? Danny, are you on the... The limitless pills again. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's irrelevant to the discussion of our current political dichotomy, in which, good sir, I am presently attempting to engage you. You keep calling them limitless pills, Danny, but I know you're just crushing Proplus up with instant coffee and snorting it. Last time, you punched a phone box and nearly had a heart attack. Am I in a cardiac infarction, if you please? It left me somewhat discombobulated, but otherwise perfectly ambulant. Oh, just do whatever it is you're going to do, Danny. Clearly, I have no control over where any of this is going. Well, I am bedecked with gratitude for your contrition, my friend, and your trust shall be utmostly vindicated, for I found a parallel dimension that provides a far more optimistic smorgasbord of political choices than the tired old system back home. Isn't that right, my new friend? Yes, that's right. I've just cast me ballot, and I'm looking forward to the result. This is Earth Alpha Foxtrot Orchitis 32, and this here is Gary. For Gary, the two-party system doesn't boil down to Labour versus the Tories like it does back home. Here, it's far more clear-cut. The political frontrunners are the free education, healthcare and opportunity for all party. That's right, aye. And the main competitors, the we run up from behind you and kick you as hard as we can in the balls party. Okay, that doesn't sound like a particularly difficult choice. You're quite right, Sam. And indeed, it's not. Now, Gary here has very kindly offered to tell us exactly who he's voted for today, and he's also going to explain why. Isn't that right, Gary? Yes, absolutely. Today, I have proudly voted for the we run up from behind you and kick you as hard as we can in the balls party. Sorry, what? (laughs) I know, right? Go on, Gary. Explain why. Well, it's simple, really. You know where you stand with the we run up from behind you and kick you as hard as we can in the balls party. I trust them to deliver on their manifesto pledges. And what have they pledged this year, Gary? They've pledged free healthcare, education and opportunity for all. Oh, and they've also promised to not run up from behind anyone and then kick them in the balls. That was the real vote winner for me. I'm a bit sick of being kicked in the balls, you see. Now that is interesting. If you don't mind me asking, Gary, who's been kicking you in the balls? Well, the we run up from behind you and kick you as hard as we can in the balls party, of course. They've been in power for 11 years now, and over the course of over a decade, I've been quite consistently kicked in the balls. But that was the old leadership, the new bloke, He's much more liberal due to his background. And what's his background, Gary? He used to run up from behind people and kick them in the balls. But the papers say he's the only reasonable choice. Oh, and you know, Brexit. Fascinating. Brexit's a thing here too, is it? Oh yeah, it's massive. Me and the rest of the 52%, we've had enough of Brussels running up behind us and kicking us in the balls. So we voted out. I see. 
And are you getting kicked in the balls less now that you've left the EU? Right now, no. In fact, we're getting kicked in the balls harder and much more frequently. But I expect that to sort itself out over the course of the next 50 years or so. And what do you know? There it is. (gasps) This isn't what I voted for. (laughs) Really? Because it felt pretty inevitable to me, Gary. Any regrets, my mate? Could have been worse. At least it's not Jeremy Corbyn. Well, there you have it, Sam. Proof, as if it were needed, that as a general rule of thumb, the vote in public are a bunch of fucking idiots. As always, Danny, I'm wowed by your glorious sense of optimism. You're welcome, pal. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to huff a bit more limitless and solve some fucking algorithms. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, reporting for IC News. (laughs) Who wants to do some motherfucking maths? It seems like nothing the Labour Party does can sink the Conservatives at the moment, and part of Boris Johnson's fundamentally baffling appeal is his ability to play up to the British sense of patriotism. The man who's been fired twice for lying somehow ducks every accusation of sleaze and corruption, and has a roaring reputation for authenticity when it comes to his love of Queen and country. It's a tactic that undoubtedly wins him votes. If the reporting is to be believed, it's no surprise, then, that the Prime Minister is looking to cement his reputation as an eminent patriot and royalist by commissioning a new royal yacht. With a speculated cost of £200 million, that's a lot of nurses' pay increases suddenly getting spaffed instead on a shiny white boat. So exactly what is the justification for a new royal yacht? There's only one man here at the network that we can possibly turn to for that answer. Thank you, Sam. Tis I, Sebastian Forlock, fawning, loyal subject of Britain's great and glorious monarchy. I'm here today in my official capacity as the network's royal correspondent. And let me tell you, it's a proud, proud day. A great British day. And not just because of a positively stonking set of election results. It's a day filled with hope for the future. For soon, Britannia will rule the waves once more in loving memory of our dear departed Prince Philip. That's if Boris Johnson has his way and a new royal yacht is to be commissioned, costing the taxpayer just the bargain price of two hundred million pounds, which I'm sure will only escalate drastically to six, maybe seven hundred million by the time the project has finished being grotesquely mismanaged. That's the Johnson way, Britain. You throw your name in the public purse behind exciting patriotic vanity projects, and everyone gets so giddy they don't even mind when the costs start hitting the roof. If you don't believe me, dear listener, why don't you visit the garden bridge that cost £43 million that only exists in your imagination? (sighs) Ah, isn't it beautiful, Britain? Of course it is. A £43 million bridge would simply have to be an actual 
physical bridge could only ever be a crushing disappointment when compared to the beauty of your imagination. And you can enjoy it in your mind's eye for free! That's the sort of return on the investment that the public gets with this government. The metropolitan elites and champagne socialists may not understand all that, but clearly the everyday working men and women of Great Britain do. They've spoken loud and proud at the ballot box, and they've told our great government exactly what they want, and it's more yachts for dead royalty. Hooray and huzzah, Britain! Ask, and ye shall receive. And by ye shall receive, I do of course mean ye shall get to look at pictures of it. It wouldn't do to let the great unwashed actually get any use out of a royal yacht. They're grubby with coal dust and KFC grease, and would undoubtedly have no respect for the soft furnishings. You understand, Britain? It's simply a matter of standards. We couldn't have any old disreputable Tom, Dick, or ex-Prince Harry stinking up the deck of our new emblem of national pride. Not when Prince Andrew could be on it instead. And it's important to remember, Britain, that a new royal yacht wouldn't just be an investment in an already grossly wealthy and archaic monarchial system that entrenches the class divides that presents the greatest challenge to social cohesion and equality that we are currently facing post-pandemic in the 21st century. It would also be an investment in our diplomatic soft power around the globe. Can you imagine France daring to send their fishermen to blockade Jersey after we send Edward and Sophie past the port, waving on a 200-foot luxury statement on the wealth and glory of the post-Brexit empire? Can you honestly see Spain trying to retake Gibraltar after they've seen Zara and Mike Tyndall larking about on jet skis off their coast? Do you think Norway would do anything but bend over backwards to accept our proposals on fishing rights if they had to do it in plain view of Eugenie and Beatrice sipping mojitos on the deck. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> when you think about it in those terms, a new royal yacht is just another method for investing in the everyday people of this country. People who again, and I can't stress this enough, must never actually touch the boat. Now, I know that in times of financial uncertainty, it can be difficult to visualise the myriad returns our great country always gets by investing in the spectacle of our royal family. But have no fear, Britain. Old Sepasti Poos is here to help you do just that. That's why I've come here, to Earth Victor Whiskey Ambassador's Uniform 1793. This version of Britain commissioned its new royal yacht years ago, and I've had the privilege of coming on board its maiden voyage. A glittering vision of chrome, snow-white fiberglass and polished teak. 250 feet of pure luxury and opulence. This is what the public purse is all about, Sam. Spending the money on what's important. Touring the world and showing them what modern Britain is all about. At least, um, that was the idea. To be honest, though, on this maiden voyage, Prince Andrew announced he was in charge of the itinerary. And so far, all we've done is go and pick up several years' worth of canned foods from a dodgy port in Thailand. 
Uh, good old Andy went for a bit of a day trip while we were there, and uh, now we're just anchored out in international waters. <laughs> Far from any legal jurisdiction or potential consequences. And I can't for the life of me think why. I'm Sebastian Forlock, and it's probably just morally easier to assume that royalty knows best, reporting for IC News. There are undoubtedly a lot of questions to be asked about why Labour failed so badly in these elections, but it's equally important to ask which of the Conservatives' tactics are clearly working for them. The so-called War on Woke is currently one of the shittiest arrows in the right-wing quiver, and trans rights are consistently one of their favourite targets. Confected outrage over the threat trans athletes pose to the safety and integrity of women's sports is the current Conservative Trojan horse of choice over in the States, with Caitlyn Jenner weighing in on the debate after announcing her run for Governor of California. She contradicted LGBT rights groups, trans advocates, the science, nearly all the actual evidence, and Caitlyn Jenner from just one year ago by calling for excluding trans kids from girls' sports in schools. But hey, what's one more traffic accident to Caitlyn Jenner, who not only kills people by speeding into the back of them, but is clearly also happy to throw her entire community under a bus in her relentless pursuit of fame, power and attention? Here to explain why the right-wing headlines don't necessarily match the reality on the ground for trans people, it's our demonic correspondent, Red Redmond. Hi everyone, it's been a while, so please let me reintroduce myself. I'm Red Redmond, the UK's only non-binary demonic news correspondent. As I don't conform to society's traditional gender expectations, I get asked a lot of the same questions over and over. And that's okay. It's always good to learn. And provided people approach me with those questions in the spirit of open-mindedness, I'm usually happy to answer. And I'm Alan. I'm a shadow demon from a parallel dimension, formed of pure malice. And I bonded myself to Red Soul just over a year ago now. As I don't conform to human society's traditional expectations of not violently dismembering and devouring each other, I too get asked a lot of the same questions, over and over. What does non-binary mean, for example? Or, ah, why are you doing this? I have a family. Or, does being non-binary mean you're attracted to men? <laughs> That's another popular one. Or the classic... Ah, my intestines. Why, God? Why? Alan, I'm not sure how helpful you're being right now. Ugh, fine. You're not the only one that struggles to feel accepted in society. That's all I'm saying. Well, yes, but you're rather a more tangible threat than trans and non-binary people, aren't you? I'd just like to be able to get a train home at night in clothes I feel comfortable in. You know, without being subjected to a string of threatening and homophobic football chants. Whereas you... I just want to crack open femurs and suck out the marrow from within. Yeah, alright. I, I take your point. Thank you. Now, it's not easy being trans anywhere in the world at the best of times. But for me, and hundreds of thousands of people like me, we are not in the best of times right now. Trans people are facing oppressive legislation that cuts back on their fundamental human rights all over the world. With the latest target of the right-wing culture war and the manufactured debate surrounding us is far from an honest one. The onslaught won't simply end with trans people either. As one of the most marginalised minority groups, we're simply seen as the weakest link and easiest target in the LGBTQ chain. 
And funnily enough, historically, Christian evangelicals and political fundamentalists don't tend to just stop when they've had enough of stripping rights away from queers. It's like me once I've cracked a skull open. Once you pop... Alan! Right, right, sorry. The hysteria, like always, isn't born out of genuine concern for the welfare of children, or women, or the fairness of women's sports. The latest attack on trans rights is nothing more than an artificial moral panic, created by the same old clueless pearl-clutching conservatives that have spent decades failing to enact legislation that protects any of those interests. It's a carefully engineered exercise in winning votes from a newly terrified base of uninformed idiots. Some of the new anti-trans laws being proposed at state level in the US are genuinely horrifying, including giving school staff in Florida the right to inspect children's genitals if they suspect they might be trans. Because we all know the best way to safeguard children's welfare is by legally allowing PE teachers near their privates. Exactly. And there are similar laws aiming to ban trans kids from women's sport currently moving through dozens of state legislatures, despite there being very little evidence that they truly pose a threat to the integrity of women's sports at all. Yes, it's a complicated issue, but the simple and hideous reality, despite the right-wing narrative, is that being trans is not a competitive edge in this world. It's the fucking opposite. Trans kids face oppression, homophobia and outright violence every single day that they choose to live their lives as honest versions of themselves. That isolation and rejection leads them to self-harm and commit suicide in far higher rates than the rest of the general population. If you actively create laws that hammer home just how thoroughly society rejects them, you kill trans kids. It's as simple as that. And this isn't a purely American phenomenon either. Here in the UK, three members of the government's own LGBT advisory panel have quit in disgust over the inaction and ignorance of Liz Truss, our equalities minister. And the opposition have been no better, with Keir Starmer's Labour paying lip service to trans rights, but backing away from supporting the right to self-determination. The government's reforms of the Gender Recognition Act are threatening an outright assault on trans lives by limiting access to life-saving spaces and treatments. Wow. Um, thanks, Alan. That was actually surprisingly informative. I am trying, you know. And it's appreciated. All of this taking place against the narrative backdrop that the nation's kids are suddenly deciding they're all trans because it's a fad... Nothing could be more dishonest. All that's happening is that more and more people who have always been trans have seen enough turning of the tide to feel they can finally be themselves. We can either accept them for who they are and move to support them, or we can legislate to drive them back into the misery of the shadows. Really? I'm trying to be supportive and you end it all with a slur on shadows? We have feelings too, you know. Oh, Alan, look, I, I, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Look at that fucking book, he's wearing lipstick. It's there, actually. What the fuck? There. There wearing lipstick. Oh, you know what? Fuck this. I'm hungry anyway. <laughs> Feeling better now? Much thanks. We are Red Redmond. The only unfair strength advantage we've got. 
comes from our demonic possession. Reporting for IC News. Red's report brings us to the end of our broadcast. But some exciting news before we go, everyone. We've had some more of the election results come in, and I'm very pleased to tell you that... Nah, no, sorry, we're still fucked. We'll have plenty of time to properly digest the thoroughly bitter pill of this set of elections next week, but for now, we leave you with the headlines you may have missed. Manchester United fans storm Old Trafford in protest over the club's ownership, which is the first time all season that Manchester United have had full control over both sides of the pitch. Does that work? I don't know, I don't really know football. Coldplay's Chris Martin says lockdown has forced him to confront his ego and ask who are you without Wembley Stadium shouting you're awesome. You're Chris Martin, Chris Martin. And enormous crowds of people have been very wrong more than once this week. The government announced their green list for summer travel. Personally, I don't really fancy a holiday to Israel. It's a nightmare turning up to find your accommodation's been double booked. And finally, Meghan Markle is to publish a children's book about the relationship between her husband and her son, with all the illustrations to be photographed through a hedge by an intrusive paparazzi. You've been listening to Icy News. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind Oddbins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.